Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Simon Anthony and Torty Talks. How to be ill. This little offering of mine could be in part considered to be a guide to school avoidance, for I first decided that I should polish the skill of imitating illness so that I may never need to go there again. My earliest forays into acting ill... What? Are you recording? Yes, I was. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you, you can. I'll, I'll just stop and redo that bit. My earliest forays into acting ill were based on the magnification of anything at all that I could demonstrate to my mother that could possibly be thought of as infectious or debilitating, preferably both. In this, the shallow end of my quest for school absence, the best I could come up with was my glands are up. This was, in my mind, and presumably in my mother's, indicated by a puffiness around my neck. This must have been hard to establish as being excessive to normal, as normally my neck was both short and fat, but it worked often enough. There was a nasty side effect, however. I had to go to the doctor, a lady who became quite a familiar sight. Dr. Ascot nearly always prescribed antibiotics. It was the thing to do at the time, and sadly still is, even now that we know what a terrible idea it is. My terrible side effect of the monthly doses of penicillin was a build-up of resistance to the stuff that laid me open to real ailments aplenty in later life. OK, I'm guessing about that, but I'm rather good at getting this sort of guess right. Anyway, my glands got hammered far too flat too often for me to be able to use that plan after a few years, so I had to move on to imitate something altogether less curable. In those days, mental illness had not been thought of, so that avenue of potentially limitless fakery was unknown to me. Who can tell what a person is feeling inside if there's nothing outside to measure or use as a gauge towards improvement? Well, by accident, I found something. I reached up to turn off my bedroom light as I walked through the door, and a thought struck me. I don't know where it came from, but I invented a sudden strong pain in my right arm. My plan was to just have a hurt arm, I think, but various doctors decided I had a slipped disc. What that was, I had no inkling, but after a few quite expensive trips to specialists, who were clearly all too happy to label me as being a patient rather than a school absconder, I learned enough to keep the act on track, well enough for it not to be discovered. One doctor, private and well paid, said that I had one leg shorter than the other, and so needed something that was even more expensive than that day's visit. I think, though, his junior trainee was more alert to my covert intentions and also not happy about his mentor's money lust and whispered to me in confidence, Faker! This was not nice to hear, but I heard no more of it. After a few months, my mother came up with the idea of homeopathy. I was given pills, uppers and downers, the pharmacist called them, Califos and Magfos, I think they were, by this time I was getting very bored of not being able to use my right arm in public or indeed do anything that would look as if I could use it at will in private. So I decided to get better. One of the magic pills I claimed really worked. So I returned to school.
Incredibly, even though it was 15 minutes slow walk from our home, I would almost always be late. I still have a terrible fear of my shoelaces getting into a knot such that my fine timing would be thrown, lost on knots disassembly. By that time, though, I was old enough for school to be almost interesting, so I went. I avoided the classes, though. The school had stopped being a grammar one around the time of my longest and best but dull illness, and most of the good teachers had left. The result of that was I could, and did, spend most of my erstwhile lesson time in the school theatre as part of stage staff. My past was yet to start haunting me. I left school far behind, went to work, which was like school but paid and had electromechanical things in it, then left to join the BBC, which was like school again, which, which gave me an incredible buzz of power. I could and did broadcast just about anything on the BBC 1 and 2. I was left alone with the tapes of a TV programme and was expected to transmit it to the entire country. And I did exactly that for almost a decade. But I got ill, really ill. I caught something virus-like and never fully recovered from it. The effects were exhaustion, stupidity, very poor judgment, and a desire to do nothing at all, because any attempt at any action whatsoever would start me almost shaking with despair at my inability to do it. For example, I could no longer properly transmit television. I cocked it up so badly once, I set BBC Two back by ten minutes, so I went off sick. I had no obvious symptoms, nothing to show I was ill at all. If only I thought of this one during my school years. It was hard for me to even believe I had anything wrong myself. I had spent so many months on and off playing at being ill that my mind was confused. Surely I'm just pretending now. I kept wondering about that, testing and failing, getting worse and getting depressed, until my mother suggested homeopathy again. This was obviously a totally daft idea, but in her mind it had worked before. I had not then admitted my long-term fraud, and so cowardice and my inability to prevent anything led me to a real live homeopathic doctor. He had the worst, most aggressive attitude to a patient that I could possibly imagine. I was not impressed, but I could, and did do, nothing about it. A few days later, an envelope arrived in the post. A few days later, I opened it. Inside was a folded sheet of paper, which wrapped a pile of white dust. The instruction said, eat me, so I did. Now comes the bit that worries me to this day. In 20 minutes, I was better, totally better, unequivocally no longer unable to think or do anything. Miracle! Despite my knowing such a cure was totally impossible, and that if I told anyone, they would at least, at best, consider it totally implausible. But I knew I was better. Several years later, I was ill again. It took me a few months to remember what had happened last time. I called the homeopath and asked him what on earth the white powder had been last time. Lycopodium 30C, I was told. OK, I got some in the post once more, and when I took it, it was better, so quickly that I went out to a concert that very day, utterly cured. 
I had been desperate to go to the concerts. I had already gone to one in that year's Henry Wood Proms, eight-week daily performances, but had collapsed live on TV, hitting my head loudly on the rail as I went down. No way was I pretending. Every fibre of my being wanted to be back, but it was not even conceivable until I had that dust once more. All the time I was ill, on both occasions, I kept trying to snap out of it. All that snapped was me. The harder I tried, and I couldn't try very hard, the worse I got. But all the time I kept thinking, I must be putting it on. And now, today, Covid times. Guess what? I've got long Covid. I've had it for well over a year. Slowly, the world is coming round to recognising that it is remarkably like M-E-C-F-S, and I could perhaps be cured in the same way. I tried. I wasn't. I tried everything. Nothing helped. However, time and two jabs of AstraZeneca, and I am able to write for the first time in years. People are told that they could and should work their way through long Covid, that cognitive behavioural therapy will fix it because it's all in the head. Well, no, it isn't. Oh, how I dislike that attitude. I'm not fond of the fact that the NHS now is testing me for thyroid cancer. Swings and roundabouts. I just know that I must pace myself or get run over by whatever it is in me. At least, I've not been fed antibiotics. That was one in a series of Torty Talks by Simon Anthony, acting at torty.org.uk.